talking about MotoGP, MotoGP Fantasy, motorcycles, and just the general love of riding. This is Wheel to Wheel. Well, things are going to be a little bit different today. I know that we've had a few different things. Uh, we had Jazz Dad on last week, which was a change as I was out of town. I was on vacation, hanging out in the Outer Banks with my family. It was a great time, but uh, really grateful for uh, Brian, Jazz Dad, for jumping in and hanging out with Ty and giving us a cool episode. But this week, uh, being that it is Thanksgiving here in the United States, that means that everybody's on holiday and going out and doing the thing, celebrating with their families, and Ty is heading to West Virginia, so I am flying solo today. So we are going to see how this goes. We hope it's going to be good. Uh, I'm going to be talking a lot about Qatar, how that went. We're going to give you some advice on fantasy moving forward uh, for the Valencia, the final race of the season. It's coming down to it. But before we get into that, a couple of things that I want to shout out to you. One is Morton's BMW here in Fredericksburg, Virginia, who has been totally awesome. And they are sponsoring our fantasy league they are giving a $50 gift card to the winner of our league but even if you don't play in our league that's totally fine uh, you should still check out Morton's BMW because they're just absolutely great and they have an amazing selection of bikes and gear and they also have an incredible service center who is top-notch and here's the thing no matter what you spend at Morton's you will become a part of the Morton's BMW family and that's worth a ton so Morton's BMW is awesome. The other thing that we want to give a quick shout out to is Broad River Apparel Company. So Broad River Apparel Company has just recently launched and they have all kinds of cool gear. They've got hoodies and shirts and hats and they've even got some kids stuff that you can do. All of it's really awesome. All of it's good quality stuff. Uh, and you can actually go to broadriverapparel.com and get your gear today. And if you use code WHEEL2WHEEL, that's WHEEL, the number two WHEEL, you will get, I think it's 10% off. So you don't want to miss that opportunity. Make sure you get some, some gifts for your family as we're getting closer to Christmas and things like that. But it's all kinds of really cool outdoor style gear, uh, stuff that highlights fishing and hunting and, you know, just lifestyle stuff that uh, you might want to be interested in getting getting your hands on. So again, that's code wheel2wheel at um, broadriverapparel.com. So let's get into things. We had an interesting race in Qatar. Uh, very, very strange race weekend in my opinion. Not used to seeing Qatar late in the season. Usually that's our first thing. I want to walk through the sprint results real quick. Uh, first place was Jorge Martin just keeping rolling, being the king of the sprint races. Second place was Fabio Antonio, who had an incredible weekend. Third place, Luca Marini. Fourth place, Alex Marquez. Fifth place, uh, Peko Bagnai, which not as good as everybody anticipated him doing. Uh, fifth place was, uh, like I said, Peko. Sixth place was Maverick Vinales. Seventh place, Brad Bender. Eighth place, Fabio Quattararo. Ninth place, Augusto Fernandez. And then tenth place, we had Joanne Zarco. So, here is what Jazz Dad, a.k.a. Brian, uh predicted for the sprint so didn't do great uh he said Alex Marquez as the winner uh, it did look like it was going to go that way for a little while Alex did do great in this race second place he called Jorge Martin so just one spot off there uh and it did look like potentially Fabio DJ Antonio was gonna uh take that lead spot at a couple of points in the race so you know Jorge almost ended up in second to some degree and then third third place Jazz Dad said Brad Bender who ended up in seventh place. Now, Ty, on the other hand, got one right. He got Jorge Martin as the winner, so he was correct in that. But then second and third place, not even close, Ty. Uh, second place, he said Pecco Bagnai. Third place, Brad Bender. So kind of missed the mark there. But overall, interesting sprint race. So let's get into it. Let's talk about Jorge. Jorge had a really, really... Uh, great recovery to his start. He struggled with all of his starts throughout the whole weekend, and we're going to talk a little bit more about some of that later, but he struggled with his starting throughout the whole weekend. He was very vocal about that, and even in the sprint start, it wasn't the start that we've seen him do the past, you know, 
since the summer break, basically. He's been firing off the line like a rocket ship, and we just didn't see that happen. Uh, but Jorge did have a good recovery, ended up working his way right up to the front and uh, you know, being in the mix there. And Jorge, man, he had a saucy pass on Peco in this sprint race. They were going at it right off the bat. It was really exciting. I honestly thought that one of them was going to crash uh, at a couple points, but uh, he basically made it known that he was not messing around, and he planned to try to get as much done in this sprint as possible, and he did. Jorge worked his way up. Uh, to first place, you know, he cut through that group just like it was nothing. Uh, moves his way back up to first place. He rode like a champion, and he won the sprint race definitively. He did a great job. But then there was Pecco, right? Uh, Pecco is def- trying to defend his championship. He was trying to climb out of fifth place that entire race, basically. But uh, once Pecco kind or once Jorge kind of got ahead and. Pecco just kind of seemingly got stuck where he was, and you know he overall struggled in this race. and And later he he said that he had some issues with his tires, and we saw some of that same issue come out with Jorge Martin the next day. And you know even Pecco, who I've been very critical of a lot, Ty's been very critical of a lot, but even Pecco said that there was an issue with the tires. That they had a similar issue on Saturday that Pecco or that Jorge had on Sunday. So I think that says something. And I think that that means that there's something that there was something weird about this weekend altogether. But ultimately, it didn't really affect Pecco too much in the championship standings, getting fifth place in a sprint race. Now, Digi, on the other hand, was outstanding. He was super good in qualifying, super good in all the practices. And then he comes into Saturday like a veteran rider. Digi passed Pecco like he was sitting still. It was nothing. He was super strong the entire sprint race. He worked his way uh, into staying in contention and fighting for that first place spot even. And man, did he look good. It just blows my mind that he doesn't have a ride currently next year. Um, but some honorable mentions for this sprint race was Fabio, Fabio Quattararo, not DJ Antonio, <laughs> Fabio Quattararo. He, man, he had a bad qualifying situation and ended up uh, starting pretty far behind, but he worked his way back into the points with an eighth place finish. If anybody has any question of whether or not Fabio Quattararo can fight in the crowd, they just need to go ahead and put that question aside because Fabio did an incredible job working his way through the crowd and making it known that he is he is in it. He's in the fight. Even though he's on a on a less good bike than others, he is fighting his best to make sure that he can get the best result out of it in the last um, couple races of this season, and, and he showed that off really, really well. Uh, the other one is Maverick Vinales. Man, towards the end of this sprint, he really came alive, uh, and he fought his way up to sixth place. And, and, you know, Maverick is one that I have in the past kind of thought, you know, he struggles a bit in the pack, kind of giving him some of the same uh, critiques that people have given Fabio. But here's the thing. Maverick... Though I have thought that, and it looked a little bit like that from the beginning, I think he just did his normal Maverick thing and had a rougher start, but then he really worked his way through the through the pack very, very well to get a sixth-place finish. Uh, there was a time I actually thought that he was going to take Pecco as well, but he just didn't have time in the, the shorter sprint race. So uh, really good, and that made me really you know, excited about what we were going to see from Maverick on Sunday in the main race. So let's go ahead and move into the main race because that's where things get crazy. Okay. So first place, here's your top 10. First place, Fabio Antonio got his first win of the season. Really, really cool man. And he deserved every single bit of it. Second place, Peko Bagnai. This was a huge swing in the World Championship standings, and it makes Valencia very similar to what we saw last year with uh, Pecco and Fabio. Third place, Luca Marini. Fourth place, Maverick Vinales. There was a time in this race I 100% thought that he was going to get up there on the podium, 
but he just couldn't quite make it happen. Fifth place, Brad Bender. Sixth place, Alex Marquez started out really strong and then faded a bit uh, as the race went on. And then seventh place, Fabio Quattararo. Again, later in the in the race when he had the pace and others didn't, he just cuts through, makes it up, gets himself a top seven finish, and really re- looked really, really good. Eighth place, Anea Bastianini. Ninth place, uh, Jorge, or Jack Miller. And tenth place, Jorge Martin. So, um, Anea Bastianini, I thought he was going to do a little bit better in this race, in this whole weekend, than he did. Uh, and, you know, Jazz Dad had mentioned that Anea would be dangerous here. He's been good here. In the, he won here last year, if I'm not mistaken, and, and all of that. So, ultimately, he didn't do as good as we had thought that he was going to do. Uh, but he ended up with a top 10 finish on Sunday, which isn't anything to, um, you know, turn your nose up at but here's here was jazz dad's predictions he predicted that jorge martin was going to win this race and after saturday i a hundred percent thought that he was going to win on sunday and he said alex marquez in third place which honestly none of that was bad those were great predictions i thought that especially in the beginning of this race how saturday went i was like alex marquez really does have an opportunity here to do really well uh, but, like I said, he just kind of faded a bit. I wonder if some tire issues were there also. But here's Ty's predictions. This was one of the worst predictions that Ty's had all season because Ty's actually done pretty solid in some of his predictions for the weekends. But this was not one of those. <laughs> First place, he said Brad Bender. Brad Bender was in fifth place. Jorge Martin was who he called for second place, which that really wasn't a bad choice. But Jorge had... Uh, some issues there and ended up in 10th place, which really rough on the championship. Third place, he called Bastianini. Again, didn't think that was a bad choice, but the cards just didn't fall right. Um, And Bastianini ended up in eighth. So, you know, it's one of those, one of those times where predictions didn't go the way we necessarily thought they would go, which is more often than not for us, it seems like. But here's the main race review. I want to go into a few of the riders. Let's talk about Digi again because he deserves it. He deserves to be talked about here. Digi looked incredible. He was so aggressive in this race. I mean, he was cutting through people, making, he was getting to it, fighting. He was laying on his shoulder, going around these turns. I mean, he was really, really aggressive. I was very impressed with how well he rode the entire time he managed his tires really really well uh he was he never let pecco really get away from him in this race which would have been super easy because when pecco gets out front it's really easy for him to kind of stretch that lead and it's really easy when you're following someone like pecco in the front like that to get that dirty air and your tires your front tire gets that that pressure going up and all of that and Honestly, I I was a little worried about that for Digi, but it didn't matter. He did great. And then with four or five laps to go, we got the dreaded mapping eight code. And I'm going back and forth with this because, you know, they have come out since. So if you don't know what the mapping eight code is, uh, I believe it was 2017. It was Lorenzo and maybe Dovey. I could be wrong. I apologize if I'm wrong, but I think that's what it was. The mapping eight code was to tell one Ducati to back off while the other, so the other one could get the victory, right? It was team orders. And so that's been a ongoing thing. I don't know that we've seen it since then, but it was a big deal. And now we saw the mapping eight code. Now they have come out and Digi said that the mapping eight was just to let him know that there was five laps. Or so, sorry, Digi and um, leadership of Grassini and stuff have said two different things, which is why I think that this was absolutely a mapping eight call. This is my hot take. I think that they did not want him to pass Pecco because if Pecco had won this race, it really would have made it almost impossible for Jorge to win the championship, barring. Pecco doesn't get any points in the Sunday's race. Uh, but with him getting second place, that made the gap 21 points, which actually allows there to be some possibilities. It's still a long shot, but it is possible for Jorge to win it. 
uh, and it just makes it a little bit more tense for Pecco going into Valencia. So I think that they called the mapping eight, and I think that Digi looked at that and went, you know what, I don't have a seat next year. Uh, Ducati kind of, in my opinion, I think Ducati did Digi a little dirty and waiting so long for the Mark stuff to happen. And because they waited so long, there was really no other seats available. And we're going to talk about the potential of him, what his future might be. But I think that he's just looking at it going like, you don't, I don't have a job next year in MotoGP. I want to get a MotoGP win under my belt. That's his, my best chance of turning someone's head potentially, or at least just for my own pride to be able to say that I'm a MotoGP winner. Uh, so I think that he just totally ignored the um, mapping eight past Peko and wins the race. And I think that something else that, because he said that, oh, it was something to tell me to uh, pass Peko now because this is, I'm almost done with the race. And then the other said, oh, it was just to alert them, hurt him that there was five laps left. Neither of those things seem very plausible to me, especially he also said, you know, I couldn't really see my pit boards. I'm like, you literally are trained to see your pit boards. That just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So like I said, uh, some might call me a conspiracy theorist on that, but I think that's what happened. I think that it was a intentional order from Ducati, and I think that Lenovo's, uh, how perturbed they are about it and how not fans of it they are, I think that that is not because they were like, how dare you make fun of us. I think that that was because Digi didn't listen. <laughs> so uh, I think that they're cleverly covering that up. And we'll see if that's true or not. But uh, Digi ultimately wins this race. And man, was it good. Um, that may, if if this is something where he disregarded the, the order, it may prevent him from later getting, say, the Mooney seat. Um, but we'll see what happens. We'll just see. I don't know. It may cause him to get the seat because now he's a winner. I don't know. Uh, but it's crazy to me that... Digi has done so well the second half of the season. I mean, man, he's done well. And for him to not have an option for next year really right now is a bummer. So we'll see what happens. Let's move on to Maverick. Maverick Vinales looked really, really good in this race. Uh, typically, like I said, he kind of struggles with overtaking. When he's in the front, he's really, really good. He's very Lorenzo-esque in that. But he cut through the grid decisively but it was just too little too late. He just couldn't get all the way up because that, that came a little later than it needed to. Uh, he really, if he had had like maybe four more laps, maybe not even that, maybe three more laps, I think that he could have probably got a podium, but it was just too late for him to really make a charge for it um, when he did. Uh, so, Pecco in this race, this is some things that I find interesting. This this race, man, he had the dream launch, potentially one of the best launches of the season, and took off, ends up right in first place from the first corner, and Luca Marini right behind him. And Luca has even come out and said that he treats Pecco different because they're really, really good friends. They're academy boys and all that, right? And total speculation here. Again, I, I, I just, I view Ducati as like they're always scheming and doing crazy things. So it seemed to me like he had a wingman a little bit in Luca because Luca had really, really good pace. But for some reason, he was just not putting that pace down right off the bat. And it seemed like, you know, Digi was behind him and Digi had much better pace and, and all of that. So it was almost like, Luca was kind of holding back the guys behind Pecco, and Pecco was getting a little bit more of a gap right off the bat. I don't know if that's true. That's total speculation, but I just know with how good of friends they are and how supportive Luca is of Pecco and all of that, it wouldn't surprise me if he was trying to help his buddy out on the track a little bit. But the big thing that happened was Pecco almost crashing because after Digi passed him. So Digi passes him. And they're going into this turn, and there's an opportunity that, you know, Pecco thinks that he has to maybe be later on the brakes or whatever. And, man, he almost threw it in the gravel. I think the only reason that Pecco did not crash here is because Qatar has such a long, um, 
a long space off the off the track that is doesn't transition directly to gravel. A lot of the tracks have a little bit of grass and then gravel or some pavement and then straight into gravel. Qatar has pa- it's paved and painted really really far before you get to the gravel, which I think honestly saved Peko here. If this had been another track and he had had that mistake like he had at Qatar, he would have been in a gravel trap, which would have certainly messed him up big time as far as his placement in the race. So ultimately, he saved that, and you know that just made sure that Digi was going to win by multiple seconds there. But uh, Peko had such a gap between them and the people behind him. It, it didn't matter ultimately. Nobody was going to catch him. But I do think that that tells me that he wasn't super happy about being passed. <laughs> so he was going to give it all he had to try to get those five points back. And he just wasn't able to. Uh, I think Digi was better this race. He was just so good. I mean, I don't know if he's just been dreaming about Qatar all season. But this was a really, really good race for him. Um, but yeah, the other thing is just to say that Peko just him he did great i can't i can't really say anything about him he didn't have the same tire issues that he had on saturday i think that's a big deal especially as we start talking about jorge because jorge had the worst launch of his entire season possibly career <laughs> i mean jorge had so much wheel spin that i thought he was going to crash before he you know made it 100 yards and the whole race, he never had any grip. It was very clear. This was not normal Jorge. And, you know, some people are probably out there saying that Jorge's nerves got to him. It's the pressure and all that. I disagree completely. I completely disagree with that because Jorge didn't just, like, seem a little off. Jorge was riding completely different than he normally rides. He usually has blistering pace. He's he's very, very late on the brakes. He's really, really fast out of the corners and all of that. And you didn't see any of that. It looked like he was struggling to maintain grip the whole race. And I think that, I think he's right. I think he had a bad tire because he had had those issues all weekend. And I kind of questioned that a little bit until I heard Pecco and other riders agree. And the fact that Pecco agreed is probably the, my biggest thing because he is the primary rival for the world championship. He's the one that is, you know, Jorge's trying to beat. And because Jorge came out and said it's a shame that the world championship is potentially going to be determined by a bad tire. And Pecco came out and said, he said, I had the same issues on Saturday that Pecco had on Sunday. It was a tire issue. The tires weren't up to snuff this week. So my thing is, is like that's huge. I don't think it was an excuse. I do think that it's a shame. It's a huge shame that we are going into Valencia with now a 21-point lead by Pecco when going into the Sunday race, there was only a 7-point difference. It was going to be much more exciting, and I think that all in all, Jorge did a really good job considering he didn't have any any traction the whole race because he said, he and Peko both agreed as well, like their bike setups didn't change. The only thing that changed on their bikes was their tires. And that was the difference in Saturday and Sunday for both of them, you know, and even through practices and, and qualifying all that, Jorge was even saying like, I'm struggling. He struggled with his starts, getting that grip. He had a lot of rear wheel spin in a lot of his practice starts. And you really saw that on Sunday when the lights went out. So just a bummer as far as that goes, Jorge finishing 10th. It's not what anybody wanted for the championship. It's really awesome that Digi won. I'm super pumped about that, but nobody wanted this to happen as far as Jorge and Peco having this much of a gap going into Valencia. So let's talk about the fantasy results. I did drop down a little bit because, you know, I've kept Bedzeki on my team and Bedzeki's really kind of fallen apart the last few weeks. I think that his injury and all of that, he's just kind of taking it easy instead of pushing too hard uh, since we're towards the end of the season and he's pretty much locked in his spot. 
So I'm in 20th. I got 130 points total this week. That puts me at 2,701.75 points. Ty is in 43rd now with 105.25 points, and that totals him out at 2,411.5 points. Now, the Remy Gardner, or sorry, Remy the Gardener is still in first place. They actually have a pretty solid lead, and I'm really impressed by that. Uh, They got 160.24 points this week. Uh, or sorry, 163.25 points this week, and that totals them out at 3,044.5 points. And then the Mutts are still in second place with a total of 152.75 points this week and 2,949 points total. And then in third place, we got Fast Booties. You know, we're editing that for our family-friendly podcast. Uh, Fast Booties, who has 163.25 points in this race weekend. I am not sure. I think they used, the, yeah, they used one of their boosts. They still have one boost left. So it is not impossible because uh, Remy the Gardener and the Mutts have no boosts where Fast Booties has one. Now, their team value has decreased pretty significantly compared to the top two in our league. But going into this final race, if they use this boost appropriately and right, and they just hit it right on the head, I do think that they can still very much win because the other two don't have a boost. But here's the deal. With five points less than fast booties, you have Turbo Perix 2 Rotas, who has led our league a couple of times this season, they have 9,000 2,933.25 points. And they had 141 points on this weekend. They have a higher team value than Fast Booties, and they also have one boost left. So they could actually also take the cake in this last weekend. Our, our league is coming down to the wire in Valencia, and I can't be more excited about that. So it could... We could have some real shifts. Um, the Remy, Remy the Gardener is really holding on tight to that first place spot, and they did really well this week. They've got a, a banging team, so we'll see what happens. We'll see how these last two um, boosts go in Valencia, and we'll see who ends up on top and wins the wheel-to-wheel fantasy league. But it's time to talk about Valencia because we are heading to the final race of the season. So we got to give you your track data here. This is a pretty cool track, a big straight. Um, the total length is 2.49 miles, so not anything crazy like Qatar was over three miles. That's four, kilom- four kilometers. Um, the total width, this is a narrow track as well. It's 12 meters. That's 39 feet. And the longest straight is 876 meters or 2,874 feet. So not as long as a Qatar straight, but it's still a long straight. There are five right corners and nine left corners. So look out for Mark Marquez because he likes those left-hand turns. Now here's the thing. This track has historically not been anyone's like favorite track. It's not the most exciting track or anything like that, but... Um, it is a pretty complex track. It looks more like a Ducati track to me than anything else. Uh, when you get turns, uh, five, six, seven through basically 14. So, uh, there's more stuff there. Actually five through 11 is a little bit more friendly to your high corner speed stuff with the Yamahas or the Aprilias, but then everything else is pretty stop and go straights and, you know, things like that. So then you got 12 to 14 is this really big, long, um, long turn, this long left-hand turn. So we'll see what happens. Um, but it seems like it's going to lend itself to the Ducatis pretty well, uh, which every track seems to do that nowadays, but here's your 2022 results. So last year, this is what happened in Valencia. The other thing about this race is it's always really weird. It's never really what you expect because the championship, especially when the championship's on the line. 
So it's not going to necessarily be what we would have seen every other race, if that makes sense. So 2022 results. First place was Alex Renz. This was that really, really awesome romantic um, win for him on the last time on the Suzuki. Super cool. Second place was Brad Bender. Third place was Jorge Martin. So Jorge is proficient and good at this track. Fourth place was Fabio Quattararo, another person who's very good at this track. And he was riding with everything that he had trying to do as well as he could to win that uh, world championship last year and wasn't able to accomplish that. Fifth place, Miguel Oliveira, who won't be riding this week, I think, due to his injuries. Sixth place, Juan Mir. Seventh place, Luca Marini. Eighth place, Enea Bastianini. Ninth place, Pecco Bagnai. Don't can't read too much into that because Pecco was just kind of cruising um, because he knew he could win. I think I think he just had to be in the points essentially to win, and so he was just cruising around the track, not trying not to crash. So, and he has the option to essentially do that again this week. We're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. And then in 10th place, you round it out with Franco Morbidelli. Now, here is what I'm going to throw some predictions out. I don't have Ty's predictions, but I'm going to throw my predictions out and we'll see what happens, okay? For the sprint race, in first place, I'm, I'm calling Jorge Martin. He's the sprint master. He's great at this track. I think that he has to win. If he wants to win the championship, he has to win. So I think that he's going to come in and do everything he can to get that first place spot in the sprint. And I think that'll give him nine sprint wins on the season, which is just crazy. And then second place, I got Brad Bender. He's good here. And I think that he is, I'm not sure exactly if he has a chance of getting into the, uh, into fourth or third place in the the championship standings. But if he does, he's going to want to do everything he can. I do think that he's going to really be hoping to get that one, that first win for the season of uh, for KTM. Uh, but we'll see if he can make that happen. It's going to be hard because, you know, Jorge Martin's going to want it more than anybody, I think. So uh, I got Brad Bender in second place. And then in third place, I actually have Luca Marini, which is kind of random it might seem like. But Luca's been doing well, and I think that he has the opportunity here to to actually make a good result. And you know, with him most likely going to Honda, I think he's going to want to finish well um, for Rossi and for VR46. And so I think that that... That's where we're going to see an opportunity for him to, to land on the podium in the sprint race. Uh, and he's got some good momentum behind him right now. So that is my top three for the uh, sprint race. And then I actually have a couple more on fourth place. I'm actually calling Fabio Quattararo. He's not been doing great in the sprint races this season, but he's good at this track. This is his last opportunity to really do something cool with the Yamaha and he's Coming off of some good momentum. So I'm calling him for fourth. Fifth place, I've got Fabio Antonio. Same kind of reasons. Coming off of good good races. I mean, he could honestly be ahead. These could even be on the podium, potentially. Uh, but Digi fifth. And then I've got Pecco, because I need to say where I think Pecco's going to finish. I think that he's going to probably finish somewhere around the seventh place mark for the sprint. I don't think he's going to be pushing it. He doesn't really have to. Uh, I think he's just going to be trying to maintain and not crash. Uh, so, but here's here's the world championship. Bender actually has 268 points. Bedzeki has 326 points. So there's really no way for him to get into third place, um, unfortunately. But I think he's still going to be because he's Brad Bender and he's going to ride like a madman the whole time, anyways. So we'll see what happens. Main race. Oh, and if Pecco gets seventh place, that'll give him three points. So, and then Jorge in first place would give him 12. And then the main race, I've got Jorge winning that as well. So Jorge has to do a clean sweep in order to win the world championship, really, unless Pecco crashes. Um, so I think that Jorge's going to win both because I think he's going to come back. We've seen that, you know, little hiccups and issues don't affect him. Like he comes back super strong 
whether he had a bad week the week before or not. And then I've got Bender in second place again. Again, it's just because he's good. He's good at this track. And then I actually have Fabio getting third place. I, I've got him taking a podium for the last race. Fabio Dijan, or uh, Quadraro, that is. Uh, because I think that he really wants to have a solid finish to the season. Uh, he's going to want to go into the Valencia test very comfortable with his head up. So... Uh, I think that he has, and his late race pace has been so, so good. I think that he has a real shot of getting a podium here. Also, I've got Maverick in fourth place. I think that he could really do well um, just because of his uh, last couple of weeks and stuff like that and how last week went. And then Pecco, I've got him in fifth place because I don't think that he's going to want to come in too far behind I think he's gonna be afraid of that so he's gonna have to fight to stay in a top five position Um, that's gonna put him with 11 points and you know if you've done any math at this point that means that that puts Jorge as the winner of the world championship I am predicting that Jorge can still he can still do it it's a long shot but I'm believing in the dream okay that would leave if he, if Jorge wins both and does a clean sweep, he will have 453 points. And if Pecco gets seventh or fifth or seventh and fifth, that will leave him with 451 points. So my hope is for the dream that Jorge will come out on top here. Uh, and here's the thing: it is not impossible for Pecco to. See, be kind of taking it easy a little bit and then Jorge getting first place in the sprint and then Pecco being like, oh man, I have to at least get a top five and that affecting him to a point where he makes a mistake or because he's a little bit further back in the pack that because nobody else cares. Everybody else is going to be just ripping it unless they're possibly on a Ducati and they have team orders. Everybody else is, you're welcome, Ty. Everybody else is going to be ripping it around him and it's going to be dangerous for his opportunity to crash. It's going to be high. It's just one of those things where anything can happen at Valencia in the last race because everybody wants to finish well. And, you know, you've got someone like Mark Marquez who's going to, I think he's going to finish in the top 10 and he wants to have a great finish, at least a top 10 finish because this is his last race on a Repsol Honda. So he wants to make sure he's doing well. And and we know that, you know, he is a, a, uh, aggressive rider to say the least so he could potentially mess things up if he's back there near Pecco Uh, and I think that Mark actually has an opportunity for a top 10 finish in either of the races the sprint or the race if he can you know qualify well so we'll see what happens there but I think that ultimately Jorge Martin is going to come out on top with the win because he's going to win both the sprint and the main race now that may leave you going, well, what do we do for fantasy? It's the last race. Does it really matter? It does matter. It does matter. Fantasy always matters, right? Um, so the constructor at this point, if you don't have KTM, or I mean, if you don't have Ducati, I mean, it's going to be really hard. Um, KTM would be your second option. Aprilia is just kind of falling apart because they're having issues later in the season, mechanical stuff like they typically do. And Alasia's kind of lost his mind a little bit, which we're going to talk about in a second. But as far as a team goes, I think that our best value for a team is Grassini right now with 2.8 million. Digi and Alex are both riding super well, and they're going to get you a good amount of points um, because both of them have the opportunity to do really, really well, and they want to do well, especially Digi. He's got nothing to lose at this point, so he's going to be riding full on just like we saw him at Qatar. So I think that's the best value at 2.8. And if I'm going to go with a sneaky pick for a team, I'm going with Yamaha at 2.4 million. That's really cheap. Uh, That might allow you to get, uh, if you drop down with your team, that might allow you to get Ducati potentially or a better rider that you haven't been able to grab. So I think with Fabio doing as well as he's been doing and he's going to want to do really well, I think he has top five potential in both. Um, the sprint and the race. So I think that Yamaha would be a good sneaky pick for you. Uh, as far as riders go, though, best valued rider, we've got two actually, and it is both the Grassini boys Alex Marquez at 2.6 and Fabio Di Giantonio at 2.9. Uh, Alex Marquez has just been really good. He's kind of on a streak for his, 
you know, last couple of weeks showing that he can still ride the bike and he is good. So I think that he has opportunity here. And then Digi, just been looking great, has nothing to lose, everything to gain here. So I think that those are your best valued riders because they're pretty cheap compared to some of your other top tier riders, but also going to produce pretty well. And then you got Sneaky Pick, I think is going to be Fabio Quattararo. He's $3 million. Uh, he's been on an upswing. He's been doing really well in later race, late race pace. Uh, he's still struggling with the sprints, but I think that's the machine that he's on. But the main races, he comes in later, and he has really good pace. He's still got grip when others don't, and he cuts through that crowd when he gets to that point. I mean, we even saw um, on with Qatar... Well, we'll talk about that in a minute, but um, we even saw that Fabio has the opportunity here to do well, and we've seen him cutting through with grip late in the race, the last, I guess, four races now. Um, so I think he's a good sneaky pick for $3 million. And then my wild card is Mark Marquez, $2.4 million. He's real cheap. I mean, he's cheaper than his brother at this point. This is his last race on the Repsol Honda. And maybe you're just far down in the, you don't really care about where you're going to go and you want to put your favorite rider on your team. You know what? Throw Mark Marquez on there because he's probably going to get a top 10 here, maybe even a top five because he's going to give it his all. He's not going to, he's going to go out swinging on a Repsol Honda because he loves it and he loves them and he wants to make sure they know that he gave it his all to the last time on the bike. You know, so uh, it's going to be a really, really cool race, and it's going to be emotional for him, for the whole Repsol team, and it's going to be wild. So, uh, which actually brings me to one of my hot takes that I think is going to be very interesting to watch is that unless Jorge wins, so if Pecco wins the world championship this year, I think that it's going to be completely overshadowed by Mark Marquez and it being his last ride on the Repsol. Because I don't think people are going to care all that much about Pecco getting another world his second world championship when you've got someone like Mark Marquez who is ending an era on, on a Honda. Now, if Jorge wins, I think that that's going to be a pretty big story still because he's on the satellite team. He'll be the first one in the four-stroke era to win on not on a factory machine. So that will be a really big deal. But Mark, the story of Mark Marquez leaving Repsol is going to be a huge talking point for this race, no matter really what happens. So I think that that's something just really interesting to think about. Uh, but let's talk about Jorge, his tire issue again, uh, because this is one of the things that I wanted to point out that I think proves the point is that he got blitzed by a Yamaha almost. Actually, no, he did. Fabio Quattararo in the straight was able to come alongside Jorge Martin on a Yamaha. We know that that's not a realistic thing. Even Mark Marquez was able to like really hang with and catch up to at times Jorge Martin in those straights. And that just tells you that he had no rear grip. He wasn't able to get the uh, drive out of the turn and all of that. So I think that just leans into proving that what he's saying about the tire is real. So that was just my last thing that I wanted to point out about that. Um, Digi, I, personally, I think he should get the Mooney seat since Luca is apparently heading. I mean, it's pretty certain at this point that he's heading over to, to Repsol Honda. Which I think is weird. Um, they and I think it, it proves my point that me and Ty uh, disagree to a point on, which is I think that the money is going to talk more than a lot of things. You know, you've got Luca who's on the Ducati, he's on the best bike in the on the grid, and he just last minute moves to the worst bike on the grid, and that's because they freed up twenty five million dollars and salary space and they offered him a ton of money and I think that he goes I'm gonna go and take the money because here's the thing I, I don't know if he necessarily has championship potential one day or not I mean I would like to say that he does I mean he has shown that he's a really really fast guy but here's the thing he went for the money 
He went for the money. You're not going to convince me that he went to Repsol Honda because he just thought it would be a good move for his career. <laughs> um, he's going to Repsol Honda because Repsol Honda offered him a lot more than VR46 is going to offer him. So um, that's my take on that. I think that's the reason. And But it does open up an opportunity for Fabio Antonio to potentially go to the Mooney bike. And I think he's earned it, and I think they should give it to him. And if they don't, I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't know if Rossi's got some some kid over on in the VR46 Academy that he's going to try and pull in. I have no idea. Uh, but I think that it's a shame if they don't give it to DG Antonio, who has earned it and deserves it. So but we got to talk about the Aleish Morbidelli issue. It's super childish and weird. But Aleish did something really dumb, and he slapped Franco Morbidelli, which I thought was funny because I don't really like Franco. I think he's just kind of the worst. And <laughs> the fact that he has a seat guaranteed next year, but Digi doesn't, and Digi has performed way better, in my opinion, than Franco all season. Franco basically hasn't done anything for the last couple of years, and then he's going to get a seat guaranteed for him at Premac Ducati, which is going to have an up-to-date machine. It's just ridiculous. It's absolutely absurd to me that Franco has a seat and Digi doesn't at this point. I think it was a little bit funny what Aleish did. However, I agree that he shouldn't have done it. Um, he rode up behind, uh, beside Franco and he slapped him in the helmet. And man, they have been going at it on social media and in their interviews Franco went after him very, very hard and very personally in his interviews and stuff post-incident, post and Aleish did not take that well, uh, because I don't know what Franco said about Aleish's family, but apparently he brought Aleish's family into the mix, and if you know anything about Aleish, Aleish's family matters a lot. He's got, you know, every his family's at every race, like, the, it's a big deal for him, and he did not take that kindly, and he has he has stated he has no respect for Franco, that he thinks he's kind of the worst, and, you know, they've just been going at each other's throat back and forth, and it's kind of a shame because I think that it does make Aleish look worse than Franco, even though um, I, think, uh, I think Franco is just kind of, I just don't like Franco, uh, and I like Aleish a lot better. And I think overall people like Aleish better, but this isn't painting Aleish well because he did lose his temper. And he is a hothead, and everyone kind of knows that. But I think that Franco has really, really stepped out of line in some of the things that he said about Aleish, uh, especially being someone who has been so not good uh, on the track. And Aleish pointed that out, that Franco has been really, really slow and he's been uh, causing problems in free practices and, and things like that. So this is this is not a one-time thing that just they're flying off. This is something that has been building up for a while now, and now it's just kind of boiling over. But um, honestly, I don't think that Aleish is going to be on, you know, he might be in MotoGP after 2024, but I think that he's going to be probably retiring after next season uh his contract ends he's been in MotoGP for a long time he's done really well in the Aprilia but I think that he's past his prime and I think Aprilia is going to have to see that especially if Yamaha doesn't increase what they're doing with the bike and Fabio's not happy Yamaha has to go we got to get Yamaha we got to get Fabio on our team because somebody's going to get Fabio if Yamaha doesn't improve and Maverick has clearly he is consistently improving on the bike and I think he's got a real opportunity to continue to get better. And so it might be one of those things where they have to kind of talk to Aleish and be like, Hey, we need you to kind of ride off into the sunset here. Maybe do what Rossi did and do one more season on a set, the satellite team. We don't, I don't know, but I don't see Aleish staying on the factory team past 2024 is my overall point. So, the last thing um, that I will say is that um, do what you want with your fantasy team this week. I am going to put Fabio Quattararo back on my team because 
you know, the best that I'm going to be able to do is probably top 18, top if if everything went perfect and I got a great amount of points, I might pull off like 16 or 17th in the league. So I am going to vote with my heart here. Unless you've got a chance to really jump up in like the top 10 or something, I'm just going to tell you, put Mark on your team, put Fabio on your team, enjoy your last week of uh, MotoGP because, hey, this is ultimately about just having fun and enjoying the sport and rooting for your favorite rider. And my favorite rider is Fabio Quadraro. And I want to I want to support him by throwing him on my team, and that's what I'm going to do this week. Uh, even though you know, if I was going to be more sensible about it, I'd probably put somebody else on my team that I think will get more points. But don't care. I just don't care this week, y'all. I don't. I don't. I want to put Fabio on my team, and I want to be able to root for him full bore, full bore. So I uh, hope you guys have enjoyed the season. We will come back with one last uh, episode about the Valencia test and the, the Valencia results and how the world championship shook out. And me and Ty need to go back and actually look at what our predictions for the world championship were so that we can see how bad they were. And uh, we'll come back at you with one more episode for the 2023 season, and then we'll figure out what we're going to do during the off season. but uh, we'll let you know that soon. Uh, but let us know your thoughts. Let us know how you have thought this season has went, what you are going to do for your fantasy picks and things like that, how bad you think our picks are, all whatever you want. You can let us know uh, by connecting with us on Instagram at, at wheel2wheelpodcast. So wheel2wheelpodcast. Um, check us out. Shoot us a DM. Give us a follow, uh, and if you want to support us further, you can rate or you know write a review on the podcast, um, share it with somebody, or if you want to go even the next step further, go to our Instagram at wheel to wheel podcast, go to our link tree and follow the directions there, and you can support us financially. You don't have to do that, but if you chose to do that, we would really appreciate it, and you would be our best friends, and we'll give you a crisp high five if we ever see you. So. Appreciate y'all. Hopefully the solo episode has went well for you and we will catch you next time.